heroes. It's an old-fashioned notion. A visionary, a genius, ensuring freedom around the globe. A symbol to the nation, a hero to the world. The beacon of hope, shining out across the stars. I look around at us, you know what I see? A bunch of a-holes. Possibility. You think you know how the world works? The world is changing. We need heroes. Welcome to the in-game review on The Awakened Soul and... I couldn't think of anyone better than to do this with than my good friend Andrew Bello because we would have been texting about this shit for weeks anyway. So we might as well record our conversation and, you know, put it out there for the people. Yeah. I mean, I've been sitting around just waiting for people to text me and communicate with me about this movie because I didn't want to obviously spoil anybody on anything. And then I knew you saw it right away. So me and you have kind of already started this exchange <laughs> a little bit. But, man, there's just so much to talk about. It's it's crazy. This movie was crazy yeah uh, and so we're gonna um we're gonna jump right into full spoilers everything so be warned if you stay past this that is completely on you yes. but we're yeah. jumping right into it bello if you didn't if you didn't have tickets on <laughs> april 2nd you were doomed from the start so you might as well you know it's so fight the bullet and it's so funny to me seeing people like oh i'm trying to get tickets for for in game like the day of like what i mean I actually, i'm sure i got yeah, I got some late tickets for like I got tickets for today, yesterday, but it was just me. So trying to find the one seat is not all that difficult, and yeah. I'm not above purchasing a handicap seat. Okay. <laughs> you know, those are probably the most comfortable seats because you know they give you enough space. You don't have to worry about anybody sitting next to you. Oh yeah, I was chilling in one of them. I had like a whole, I had a whole another seat next to me that was empty too because it was supposed to be a handicap. So I threw my jacket over there. I was, I was sprawled out. It was nice. You know the secret, right? So if you're going to a movie theater by yourself, the secret to make sure you sit by yourself is buy two tickets, and then when you show up to the movie, you return one. Just say, hey, yeah, I bought I bought extra ticket. The person who's coming with me actually Ooh. isn't coming, and they'll refund you for it. And then there's chances are no one's coming last minute if you do it like that. Yeah, I would have felt bad because I would have been depriving somebody of the opportunity to see this particular movie. Yeah, yeah, I I was tempted at one point. And actually, uh, just aside from from the movie itself, one of the viewings that I went, the power went out in the movie theater. Wow. Right after Tony snapped his fingers. (laughs) <laughs> and everyone lost their mind you would have swore like i was in a fucking zoo like people were just like throwing shit and freaking out like no that is hilarious Dude, i i it was worth the price of admission just for that part of the experience alone that i bet that's that's fucking that's priceless um what an experience because you imagine being a kid there and i was like yo the soon as tony snapped his fingers the power went out so Oh, man. The best is that I'd seen it already. So I'm in a theater full of people who are not, for the most part, in the same position. It's Friday night, 745 showing. Like, I've already seen the goddamn movie twice already. These people are all seeing it for the first time. (laughs) So as soon as the power goes out, I hear no. And you just hear me laughing, like, (laughs) because I know exactly what's about to happen. Fuck these people. (laughs) First, the first movie ever to cross a billion dollars in the first weekend. Just let that sink in. Mind blowing. Yeah. You know what it is, though? I was thinking about this the other day, is that Marvel in particular is is changing the way that movies work. Because, like, even if you had the most popular movie in the world whenever, you know, let's say 10, 20 years ago, there was only but so many people that would afford that could afford to go see it. And 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 most part for the most part, they're only going to see it once. They got me for four times already on this goddamn (laughs) movie because I have to see every detail. There's three hours. So there's no way you can possibly comprehend it all like after after going through it the first time i barely really remember details about anything and then i had to kind of go back and see it again and then watch some youtube videos and really kind of refresh about specific parts but by the by the third time once once the total sensory overload had worn off i was like i was like i'm laughing i'm crying i'm cheering like i I was (laughs) by the third time it's when i think all of it really hit me 
I, yeah, I, I can I can agree with that. It's it the thing with with Marvel movies now too is like, and they've also changed the way that movies are marketed because everything that that anyone's seen the trailers and everything really happened in what the first twenty minutes of this movie. And a lot of it was, yeah, I mean, a lot of that was misleading up to a certain point. And they showed us a lot of shots where things were edited out and things that weren't fully there. Um, you, you know, the infamous scene in the trailers with Cap putting on the shield. The shield was in full effect at that exactly. moment in time. Yeah, you know, yeah. like stuff like that. Um, when we see Rocket on Rhodey's shoulders in the background is Giant Man. But we didn't get that in the trailer. So there there was a lot of moments like that that, that were not, oh, maybe not misleading, but you know, omitting certain facts, I guess yeah. they weren't lying to us. They just didn't tell us the whole truth. It makes sense. It makes sense. Um, so I guess we'll start right from the beginning. So we open up with Hawkeye. We're, just for the interest of all the conversation that we want to talk, I'm not really going to recap the movie much. I'm going to assume everyone who's listened to this has seen it, but that opening scene with Hawkeye, it really set the tone for like the next 30 minutes of the movie. It did. I was actually surprised at how many people when I went to go see it were like shocked by it because I feel like we all like if you've been following the trailers, if you're like a nut like you and I and you've been watching all the videos and the breakdowns and the Easter eggs and you're putting this stuff together and you're trying to map how this movie was going to go. That was almost a given. So I was kind of happy that it was like the first thing that we got to see. It did set the tone, but at the same time, it wasn't like anything revolutionary. Yeah, I I think, too, it's good to see. Even though Hawkeye's not a civilian, but that's kind of what everyone else went through when the snap happened. We saw in the in Infinity War from the viewpoint of of uh, Captain America and uh, Tony yeah, Stark, Tony. Yeah. but they were in the fight. They knew what was going on. So just to be someone who's just sitting around and all of a sudden people start disappearing, I like that they gave that that perspective of it. Um, yeah, man, but that was a great opener. I think that was a great way to open the movie. But then after that, Listen, they cut off Thanos's head within the first what fifteen minutes of this movie. Yeah, I don't even think it made it that long. I, when that happened, dude, like the first take through, just yeah. my jaw completely hit the floor. I was like, "What?" Like of all of the the things, all of the predictions and the the you know the precognitions I was hoping to have had, I just I couldn't have even imagined that that was the way it was going to go down. And when it happened, and then Thor with the line, you know, I went for the head. <laughs> and like everyone yeah. like everyone in my theater just was like oh like what the fuck this doesn't it's not satisfying you know but yeah. at the same time it was it was weird the thing and the thing too that i noticed about this movie early on is that in in that first bit of time we got two son of a bitches and a shit yeah, there was a <laughs> lot of swearing in this movie and that yeah. was another thing that was kind of pissing me off was okay so we can't have a ton of blood like a, a we cut off a guy's head yeah. But we there was like minimal blood, but we got swearing. We've got four year olds cursing in this movie. Like the, the, the where these ratings are, it's a little ridiculous to me. I, you know, like come on, it's a little bit of blood. Let's let's yeah. tone back the four year old swearing and give me a little bit more blood. And something they, I think that we got more. Even though we didn't get much, we got more blood in this movie than I think any other Marvel movie. Because even when Hawkeye cut the guy's throat. They show blood mm-hmm. dripping like they, they usually steer away from that. Maybe this is their way of saying, hey, everyone who's worried about what we're going to do with Deadpool. Oh, you ain't seen shit yet. Yeah. I mean, it was it's PG-13. It was always going to be PG-13. Yeah. I feel like it could have very easily been an R-rated movie if they you know wanted to give us a little bit more on the violence end of things. But I'm not asking for blood and gore. I'm just saying, like, when you cut somebody's head off, give me the appropriate amount of blood. Yeah. I like that. That's, okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. So th- with that opening, like we find out very early on, Thanos destroyed the the Infinity Stones. Uh, Thor cut his damn head off. Um, Captain Marvel kind of in and out of this movie. What did that do to to change your expectations coming in? Because I at least thought three hour movie, the first hour is going to be the hunt for Thanos. They changed that my mind on that very quickly. Yeah, I I figured that they would they would hunt Thanos down and that they would find him pretty quickly, but that they would fail almost immediately. Like they would run into it. They went in shorthanded like Bruce teases in the trailers and says in the movie, you know, let's go after him. And then they find out even Captain Marvel's not enough. Now, she my God, we can have a whole show just about her involvement in this movie. And she was only in the movie like 20 minutes. Yeah. You know, it really wasn't all that much material, but. Uh, there was a lot of stuff I really liked with her, and then there was a lot of stuff I really didn't. But l- let's put a pin in that for a second. So as far as 
where you know where the plot was at that point i just i couldn't even fathom that you know that thanos being so weak was a nice way of giving me a little bit of satisfaction on this is that he uses the stones to destroy the stones and it damn near kills him now when they go to titan to to the garden whatever we're calling it and they they basically had they kind of very quickly reenacted the, the first battle on titan they got everybody holding them down and all this yeah. sort of stuff and it, it's effective and it's wor- working and it's like whoa okay but then you start finding out why and the fact that basically all hope is lost except for time travel though <laughs> and we'll, we'll get into that kind of next um So with with that whole opening and like you said, we find out Thanos, we find out Captain Marvel. Like I I like the way that they use. I like the fact that they didn't overdo it because of course she she was such a powerhouse at the end of her movie. Everyone kind of guessed that she would be the 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 key to all this, and she really wasn't. And I like it because they have a she they have the whole next few phases to flesh her out more as a character. There's a lot to be told there. So I did. I'm glad that they didn't overuse her because I really thought this was going to be like, all right, what's the point of a Captain Marvel two? But I'm glad they didn't do that. Yeah, there there were some moments. I mean, even and you got to give the Russos their credit. They're like they would be good bookers in a wrestling federation because they know their audience. They work <laughs> us pretty true. hard. All those people like myself who are like sort of anti Captain Marvel. Um, what is the first thing she does when she interacts with Thanos? She just blasts him and knocks him backwards and puts him in a chokehold. And you're like. Really? Like this is how it's gonna go, huh? Like she's just gonna come flying in, you know, twenty first out of twenty two movies in this pantheon and just come in and save the day. Oh, okay, so Thanos is really hurt. Like that's really yeah. what it came down to. It wasn't so much that. But then when even when you get to the battle at the end, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but like the headbutt, I'm sorry. If Thanos with the gauntlet on can't headbutt you, there's nothing that can break this woman like there the, she is beyond superman she would use superman as a toothpick like this is this isn't even fair she's so insanely overpowered and um that there was there was a lot of other stuff with her but i don't want to i don't want to waste too much time on that <laughs> fair enough fair enough fair enough so the five-year time jump i expected a time jump i like the way that they used it i like how after the jump we come back and we kind of figure out where everyone is the fact of black widow kind of running the avengers was a bit weird to me. I didn't expect it, but it, but I, I enjoyed it because Cap's off doing his thing. Tony's completely off, and we'll talk about Thor. Thor is my biggest issue in this movie. Okay, um, I'm gonna probably be there with you, but yeah, I liked Nat becoming Fury essentially, is yeah. that she just took over where Fury left off. I th- I thought so much of this movie was really just about the six Avengers and their reactions to all of this, and they all reacted in very drastic and very different ways. Nat was probably the least drastic in that she just picked up where Fury left off. But at the same time, she's always been somebody who's followed order. She's never been necessarily the person to be giving them out to anybody. And now she's taken on that role because she's got, you know, she lost this family that she had and whatever is left of it, she really wants to to hold on to. But, um, yeah, with with Tony bitter ass Tony coming back, like just snapping and, you know, I wanted to put a suit arm around the world, but no, you and your freedom cap. And, you know, he was, <laughs> he was really pissed, even though I felt like we should have seen more of that when he got off the, the ship because yeah. he gets off the ship and it's like, Oh, Hey, how you doing? And then they get inside and all of a sudden it's like, well, screw you, old man. I got nothing for you right now. And I was like, where was that? Well, you I, know, why, I, well, why did I chalk that up to just the, it hasn't all set in what happened yet. I think that that he was happy to see Pepper, just happy to get saved and kind of see everyone. And then while he's sitting there, while while he's not really healed, but he's getting back healthy, he's like, you know what? No, fuck you. This is your fault. Right. Yeah, Yeah, I guess so. And and you know what? Not to again, I don't want to waste too much time on Carol, but I hated that she saved him. I hated it like with a fiery (laughs) burning passion, not because of anything to do with her, but because. I don't think anybody should be saving Tony Stark except for Tony Stark. Like this guy built a suit of armor out of a box of scraps in a cave and became what we know today. You cannot tell me he wouldn't have tinkered with that ship until his last fingers broke off and his last breath was taken. Like the fact that he's just sitting around leaving love letters and and taking naps and eating, you know, whatever it was. Although I did like that scene with her, with him and Nebula, because it was kind of a callback to him offering blueberries to banner and the yeah. first avengers it was like the same sort of packaging for the food too um so th- there were so many of those kind of call callbacks all that whole the, that uh, whole that whole setting was the callback to the cave like them working together everything almost beat for beat 
him right. dying. And then he just so and and that was it. He just he gave up. They couldn't come up with anything beyond that. Like we we as fans have come up with a bajillion ways that Tony could have tinkered his way off of the ship and the, the the annual axe batteries, that tool that Rocket has that fixes everything. Um, you know, there's just there was so many ways. How come how come Rocket couldn't track the Benatar? That that was another thing that was pissed me off. They're they're yeah. you know scanning the entire universe for for infinity stones. He couldn't track down his ship. And that seemed a little there, there. I have a lot of problems with the movie. Don't get me wrong. I love yeah. the movie, but there were a lot of things that I feel like uh, we we sacrificed some plot for getting all these random callbacks and all these Easter eggs and all this kind of stuff. And they wanted to cram as much of it in as they could. And even in three hours, there was probably stuff that hit the cutting room floor, which is crazy to think about. Yeah, I mean, easily. I know it was originally Infinity War Part One and Part Two. It could have easily been a three parter. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, even if you could add a half an hour onto this movie and split it in half, probably, and no one would really have complained all that much. So, yeah, I could see that. There was some there was some wasted motion, though. I feel like there was there was definitely some scenes. I'm like, "Uh, really, this is what we're doing right now. The diner scene with Professor Hulk, that whole thing could have just been gone other than Ant-Man telling the kid to take the goddamn phone at the end of it, that that whole scene was just a nothing for me. Yeah, I think they they wanted to explain why he looked the way that he did, and like they want. I think they did that scene so long to show that he's really happy with his current place of being the merger between Banner and Hawk. But like you said, it did, that did go on a little too long. Um, I like I like how food is a theme throughout every scene Hawks in pretty much through the first two two mm-hmm. acts of this movie. He always has food. The shit is hilarious. But um, yeah, he's eating. He's eating a lot. I also another thing that kind of irritated me about this movie, and maybe it's Professor Hulk in general. Uh how he reacted to the loss is that he finally found like symbiosis within himself within the hulk and the banner dynamic and almost like uh like again another callback to the avengers stark is telling him you know you're tiptoeing big man you need to strut well this is this is him strutting right this is him coming to coming to grips with all of what he is but at the same time like one of my favorite relationships in all of the mcu is him and nat and we got so little play on this even with the death at the end like you get him punching the time machine okay like if if the hulk was really as mad as you would think he would be considering that his love just died he he should have smashed that whole facility into a million pieces you know like there's there was a certain element of like they didn't really touch on it at all and then she dies and we're supposed to go oh that's right they were kind of in love but that was like such a deep-seated thing all throughout all the movies since ultron it's crazy yeah, I mean, yeah, I thought that it was going to play way more into the into that. You would think that they, after the loss, they would kind of try to bind together a little bit more, but it seems like they both just kind of went their separate ways even more. And, I mean, outside of even in Infinity War, there was like that, hey, when he came back to Earth, and that was it. Like, they played, played into that so much, and for it to not really be picked up other than, like you said, he punched the thing, and he threw that chair into the, ocean, to the river. That was it. That was it. Yeah. Like that, that, that to me was not enough. And, uh, ultimately I feel like the Hulk was a miss on this movie. All, all in all, there was a couple lines like with, with baby Scott and, and yeah. caps, like it's baby. And he's like, yeah, but it's Scott. And he's like, it's Scott as a baby. And he goes, he'll grow. I, cracked. <laughs> I was dying. He's like, yeah, fuck it. will grow up. Like, no, don't worry about it. Eventually we'll get our old Scott back. We just have to wait about 40 years. Um, so that, that was kind of funny, but overall we didn't get the rematch with Thanos. We didn't get to see him, you know, go, go toe to toe. Now he did snap the gauntlet. So, you know, we get the kind of sim, sim, uh, the the symbology, I guess, of the fact that they are of equal might, the fact that both of them can withstand the snap, but we don't ever get them, you know, going toe to toe the way that we kind of wanted to coming out of that opening scene in infinity war. Yeah. And another another thing that I want to point out with the time jump, it kind of so I'm I mean, and this is just me piecing together. So now it makes sense to why they cut Thor's hair, why Black Widow had a different color hair in Infinity War. Like when you see everything that they kind of did to make it make sense, so they can show a passing of time. Because you you would think they just mm-hmm. randomly changed Black Widow's hair. Now you look at this movie, it's like okay, she's grown the red back out. It shows a passage of time. It makes sense. Yeah. 
I, I always figured there was a, the, the reason for her cutting her hair was, you know, coming out of Winter Soldier, basically. Like, she was on the run. She killed all of her aliases. She was coming up with new ones, so she just changed her hair color to throw people off the scent. <laughs> I always thought that was just kind of cooked into it. But, yeah, I, I you know, looking back at it, now it makes all the sense in the world with Thor's haircut and with her and, you know, a, a variety of other little changes, caps, uniforms over her time. Um, you know, you get to kind of you get to see those moments and, and, you know, look back at them now. Now, you know, when you have old cap face and new cap, the guy basically hasn't aged, but you could still tell the difference between the two. True. Um. So, I mean, I guess the next thing we could talk about is fuck it. Let's 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 I was take, gonna say, yeah, there's so many things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> time travel. The use of time travel in this movie. Time travel. Time heist. The time yeah, heist. time heist. I I love I love that he threw that out there. <laughs> that um, but what 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 did you think about it? I know we kind of texted about it, but what just to put it on air? What what did you think about the use of time travel in this movie? I I didn't love it at first. I mm-hmm. I didn't like that they were shitting on all of the previous movies that have ever done time travel before, where they were like, oh, what do you mean we're gonna save the future? You know, like back to back to the future. It's just like, oh yeah, because that's a whole lot less ridiculous than what you're about to do here. And maybe that was kind of the the the, the idea there. But at the end of it, um, by the time I've now seen it a few times, and I understand like the rules they set in place, where you know, going back in time doesn't change what you know the timeline that you're on now, but it has the possibility to create other timelines. I like that from so many other vantage points from, you know, just being a Marvel fan, understanding that the comics introduce all the different parallel universes and having watched Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, you get a good idea that even if you're not like a big comic uh, reader and and into all that sort of stuff. But, um, you know, with with the now multiple timelines that have probably been created as a result of this movie, I think... Um, and we talked about this a little bit, that this is ultimately going to lead to them encountering Kang the Conqueror. And this will be the consequence for this this seemingly easy fix. I mean, obviously, there was a lot of crazy stuff that needed to happen, but it, it is all <clears throat> all too much of like a MacGuffin where they just it just all conveniently worked out for them that they went back in time and there was this set of rules as opposed to that set of rules. And it just worked out all perfectly for them, but there will be a consequence for that. And that'll ultimately be Kang the Conqueror popping up and causing trouble for them. Absolutely. And I think too, and what I just thought about today with it is that with creating all these alternate timelines, I really think all they did was create content for the Disney streaming service. Yeah, they could do that. I mean, look, if they're going to the Loki movie, the black widow movie, like, you can yeah you can you can have you know Black Widow in 2019 still doing her thing in one of those other timelines presumably um, so so yeah there's there's plenty of options as far as that goes I'm excited for the possibility of not only multiple timelines but like the multiple Earths like within the com within the comics um, having you know Earth 65 God damn it if I don't get Spider Gwen I'm gonna be so angry <laughs> they better do a live action Spider Gwen and uh, I was thinking about it today. That would also be a really interesting way for them to reintroduce all the Netflix characters. If the first time we see them, they come back on Earth sixty five, as opposed to you know whatever Earth one sixty one or one six six one or whatever it is that we're calling this one. That way, you get heel Matt Murdock coming in as as the kingpin, <laughs> and you get like all that sort of wacky you know different iterations from what we're used to. That way, it's not so much of the same stuff. Yeah, I mean. I, I agree with that. There's a lot of different ways they can they can do it. I definitely think Kang the Conqueror is is he's going to take issue with what happened in this movie. So any anyone who's not as familiar with it, I understand because at this point, the MCU is is way well above any comic fans. Like we make up probably a small population of the people who actually enjoy these yeah. movies. So for anyone who has the issue with the time traveling. Just just wait for it, because I guarantee you right. Kang is going to be involved. If he's not like an overarching villain for maybe the next few phases, I definitely think at least a phase is going to be Kang trying to fix the uh, fix these alternate and divergent timelines. Yeah, I think that's probably going to be their layover the next five years. It was if, if you just think about how Feige and the Russos and, and James Gunn and all these guys have how they've operated for a long time is they, they kind of section it all out. They're booking very, very far ahead. So they needed something when they were planning phase four that was going to give them enough time to write phase five, which is going to involve the Fantastic Four and the X-Men and all that sort of stuff. So what big villain can we come up with that's not necessarily super closely tied to all those characters 
that way we can do secret wars in phase five and we can do galactus in phase six and we could do doom in phase seven and it doesn't mess with anything that we've got going on right now so kang was you know a, a perfectly viable option for that next sort of a transitional mega heel the you know the the, the guy that's just going to kind of hold the placeholder i guess until yeah. we can get to that and it'll be interesting enough with with time travel now opening up so many doors all these alternate timelines all these you know it, it's going to make stakes very difficult for future movies because it's like oh well if something goes wrong here we can always just go back in time and there needs to be something that comes in and corrects that and that'll probably yeah, be kang exactly what was your what the scenes all the scenes set in in the past timelines what were you what was your favorite uh, when, when they first went back to New York, I mean, I knew they were going yeah. back to New York, but as soon as it happened, I was like, okay, like I, I kind of sat up in my chair and I was like, this is about to get real right now. I, I wasn't <laughs> a huge fan and, and maybe this will be a good transition into our, our not so favorite character uh, in this movie, but Thor with, with him and his mother, I liked the dialogue there, but I hated Dark World so much that I was kind of pissed that they called back <laughs> to it at all. You know, like of all the movies we could have called back to, I would have I would have liked a lot more Ragnarok references. And I feel like we yeah. basically got none other than Korg and Meek and Valkyrie all just being there. So, um, yeah, with Dark World kind of that, that was not my favorite section of the whole thing. And Fat Thor, man, fucking Fat Thor. Let's, yeah, really? we, can, we can get into it. So they spend <laughs> Ragnarok make powering him up, making him aware that he did not need the hammer. Infinity War, I had an issue with that. The very first thing. I need a new hammer. So they, they kind of yeah. took away from Ragnarok there. Then in this movie, so you power him up in, e even with my problems in Infinity War, you give him a, a brand new hammer. He has the powers of the Bite Frost, all that good shit. You power him up even more. He almost kills Thanos. And then the majority of this movie, he's a fucking chump. And then even, even at the end where he's, it's finally this battle, this battle, you, with what they set up in Infinity War, th Thor should at least be on the same level as Thanos without the gauntlet. When he was fighting Thanos without the gauntlet, got his ass kicked. Right. Yeah, well, and even at the beginning of Infinity War, Thanos only had the one stone and the gauntlet and was, you know, it just toying with Thor, basically. Yeah. Like, Thor didn't stand a chance. But, yeah, I mean, he's got both. He's got the hammer. He's got the, the axe. He's, he's in full-blown. Like, he's as powerful as he's ever been, despite his appearance. And he was not all that, you know, all that is not nearly as strong as I thought he'd be. Definitely not coming out of the end of Infinity War there. But just the whole idea of like, A, I'm not a huge fan of funny Thor. Like of all the Thor movies, I like joking through the pain Thor. That's yeah, sort of my favorite like that Thor. Is too. That, that scene with him and Rocket in Infinity War is like the perfect example of that as he's talking about all these things he lost. And he's still trying to put on the bravado, the God of Thunder. You know, he's still trying to play the part. And I... I I get that, you know, with this with this whole plot, this whole ending of this arc here with Frigga and him not being who he was meant to be, but being who he is. That's not a great message. Some people are terrible people. Like it's not, it's not, it shouldn't be a message of you know uh, the, the the message ultimately was like everyone fails at being who they who they're supposed to be, but you know it's measured by how much they are, you know how successful they are at being themselves. Hitler was himself. Like, is it, should, does that make him a great person because he achieved all yeah. the things that he wanted? You know, that that's a terrible measure. And he coming out of Ragnarok, he finally sits on the throne. He's finally the king that he was always meant to be. And he would have been perfectly fine at it had this whole Thanos event not happened. And then at the end of this movie, he's fixed it all. But instead of taking the throne, he wants to go right off with Rocket and Groot. Like, I, I don't fully understand. I think I think a part of him wants to be around Quill. Because it makes him feel more important than he act, you know, it makes him feel like the God of Thunder because Quill is so constantly having this inferiority factor going on around him. Yeah. So maybe that's sort of how we lead into Guardians 3. And uh, I, I do like the fact that he is going to be joining up with the Guardians as far as the third Guardians movie and potentially a fourth Thor movie. So that, that'll be kind of cool. Yeah, and I think the the tone of Ragnarok was very similar to the tones at Guardians of the Galaxy. So that all kind of makes sense. Um and as we know, Marvel does not do anything by chance. So there's a there's a story reason for why Thor has to be with the Guardians of the Galaxy. And I can't wait to see what that is. Yeah. I mean, with Guardians 3, I don't want to get too far ahead, but obviously I think we all know Adam Warlock's coming. And, and, and Thor would be somebody who can at least be on that level initially to, to present a threat 
when warlock comes for them because he's coming because the you know who is it the the gold the shiny golden people what are their names? But, and that's the thing at that point at this point that was five it took them five years to ha- hatch adam warlock mm-hmm. it's been yeah. five and that's and that's something i guess we'll talk about once we get to the end because the fact that they stayed in that five years timeline at the end of this because i thought of course, they say they say at, by the time Tony says, you know, don't change anything that happened in the last five years, just bring everybody back to this time. I figured that's what they were going to do. But coming into this movie, I figured if there was a time jump, we'd re- be reset back by the end of it. So that's an interesting to- story telling perspective. But we'll get into that. Um, I know we talked about Thor. One oh, thing that I do actually, want to talk I want- about. I wanted to jump into the to the five year snapback people. So okay. think think about the person who was like, a, you know, let's say they were chronically ill. They were dying a painful death and they got snapped away. Now they're coming back and they got to encounter all that all over again. Or even worse, the person who got snapped away and then in five years time, their wife moved on. Now they get snapped back. They come back and they're in their bedroom and so is their wife and so is their neighbor Fred. Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> like the, 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 the consequences of people coming back after five years all because Tony needed to have his kid. That's really what it came down to. And no yeah. one questioned it at any point. It was like, oh, yeah, OK, just because Tony needs to have his daughter and, you know, we're dads. I get it. But no one was like, hey, Tony, let's think about the greater good here. Let's just go back five years and before all this happened and, you know, preserve life for billions upon billions of people. And, th- and that's the thing, too, is like so like th- with like um, what's the new far from home coming out, the new Spider-Man movie? Yeah, now that's clearly in high school. How does that yeah. work? All How does that work? Got snapped conveniently. Exactly. All. So you guys, and and then they can just enroll in the same school, and it's just like you know what? It's all good. It doesn't yeah, make any sense. It's going to be drastic changes to people's paperwork. Like your driver's license is now going to have to have like your date of birth and like whether or not you were snapped, so that people can do the math. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, I didn't even think about that. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll talk more about that because there's my mind was blown with a couple of things, but. Um, so back to the time travel, the way that they I like the way that they use it to explain questions that us as fans have been having. So, like, for example, with the ancient one, us seeing her kill aliens during the Battle of New York, it made sense because I sure was thinking during Dr. Strange. OK, where were these people at when aliens invaded? She mm-hmm. was kicking alien ass. We just didn't see it. It makes sense that and they've, they've made this Marvel Universe an actual living world just because you don't see someone in the movie doesn't mean that they weren't still living in that world um robert redford's character the fact that they he was there after the battle of new york makes sense because he was technically running shield Mm -hmm. it all it all made sense and it was while there are some some issues that people have with the time traveling itself i like the way they use it to explain things with characters that we didn't meet till later movies yeah that did make a lot of sense i didn't even actually put all that together with the angel one i mean i figured once, uh, once Scarlet, uh, Scarlet Johansson, I always call her Scarlet Witch. The, the one of the Scarlets, the Black Widow, uh, when she put together that all, all three of the stones or three of the six stones were all in New York at the same time. I was like, oh yeah, I thought it was something I've been talking about for you know a bajillion times on on my show over on Next Level and just in general MCU conversations. That it just when she said it, it was like, oh okay, so that is something that they actually thought about. They put that all together. That's not a coincidence. And now here it is, you know, with them going back that far, it, there, there was some really cool stuff that was that was answered that way. Plus, I mean, with the time travel thing that that scene with Scott and Cassie, like, oh, man, yeah. that one that one gets me now every time. Like every time I see it, I'm like, <laughs> oh, like, that's that's got to be such a weird feeling, especially for Scott, who's somebody that was in prison and couldn't watch her grow up for a period of time. And then he's out and he finally gets to see her growing. And then he's now in the quantum realm and missed another five years of her life. This time he didn't actually do anything wrong. He was trying to do something good. And you know, that, that, that's just gotta be devastating for him. So that, that whole thing was, was crazy. And uh, RIP 10 year old Cassie in the MCU. Cause she was awesome. Like she was so <laughs> great through those two movies. It's going to be sort of a bummer not to have her here. Well, the th- and the thing too, is that, Feige mentioned during Ant-Man and the Wasp how they wanted it was important for them to show that Cassie was inspired by her father at a young age. This bastard, this bastard had this all planned out. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't like he he's known what he's doing because now that she's older, it's very possible that we will see another Ant-Man movie where it's not just Janet Van Dyne and 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 uh, Scott that now Cassie's going to be in on the heist as well. 
Yeah, I'm already thinking like to, towards Ant-Man 3, which will probably not be for a while. It's not projected for any time in the foreseeable future, but it'll definitely be Cassie joining the the gang and probably, you know, Hank and Janet going in some way, shape or form because Michael Douglas and Michelle Pfeiffer aren't going to stick around forever. Um, so that'll that'll create an interesting plot element as you have them dying and Cassie kind of joining the team and that sort of stuff. But um, with the, with the time travel, getting getting back to that. That was that was another sort of thing. Not only did they go with time travel and they kind of created their own rules in terms of time travel and they may have even violated those. But Tony Stark figures out time travel like on a whim in 30 seconds, just <laughs> chilling in his kitchen. Now, uh, Tony's as smart as they come. He's the smartest person in the universe by by a, a significant margin. But that was nuts. Like the fact that he just happened to stumble upon time travel. They don't really show us much of them building the machine. Like the ultimate tinkerer. We see very little tinkering from him. We just see like a finished bracelet and a half finished time machine. Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, that's that's part of the course with Tony. Like, think about it. He figured out how to fix extremists. Yeah, extremists Mm -hmm. in Iron Man 3. Extremely fast. He figured out how to build Ultron and Vision in the same movie relatively quickly, how to fix that. Like, he always kind of just puts it together. I guess he always does. And even, like, in Iron Man 2 with him synthesizing a brand new element. But that was all based yeah. off of years and years and years That's of work true. from his father. It just he, he just happened to stumble upon it and was smart enough to figure it all out. But the I would have liked to have seen him, like, at least building the suit or coming up with, like, a brainstorming session for what he's going to throw into this suit. Because we saw Mark 50 in Infinity War. This is Mark 85. So I'm led to believe... You know, short maybe the rescue suit for Pepper that he's made thirty five new suits since it, during <laughs> the course of this movie. I'd like to see what you know what he was doing to test them, why he did certain things. Um, you know what was what was so much better about this suit because we didn't get any Uru, we didn't get any vibranium. This was just Tony Stark doing Tony Stark things without any additional adding on, and yet this suit was so much better than the last one somehow. Yeah. It just, yeah. I don't know. I want, I want that so much of his character is the technology. I mean, he's had five a, years too, though. He has, I guess he yeah. has, but I don't know. Yeah. Like because, because so much of him is tied to the tech, like you got to at least give me more of an explanation than like, Oh, look at this fancy bracelet. <laughs> <laughs> That's I, I like that. Um, at least coming up with him, like how he decided on fitting it in a bracelet. Like it literally, we saw him figure it out and then he had this fancy device. So I, I can agree with you there. Um, oh, you know what? Maybe even if it was a reference to maybe it's even a crazier callback to uh, to the door of the Explorer watch from uh, from Iron Man three <laughs> with uh, with with Harley's sister. You know, he gave him a digital yeah. watch, and it looked like that would have been really funny if they could have tied that in somehow. That's funny. Um, we got. I guess the next thing we talk about the Soul Stone again. The Soul Stone has delivered some of the most heartbreaking moments in this fucking franchise. Um, so yeah. another they they go back in time, uh, they go to the same planet that Thanos did. Of course, and I'm, I'm you would think that they were Shield agents. I expected them to like know more about the Red Skull, right? They didn't because they, they kind of no just idea. saw him was like, oh, okay. Which is means another thing because at the end of this movie, Cap has to go back and put all the stones back. So he had to go back and give it back to the Red Skull. Yeah, I want to see that scene. Hopefully, can we get that in Falcon and Winter Soldier? Like, just <laughs> so I'm a just, I'm just, so he just shows up and he's like, "Oh, well, here's the stone. I, I got to go catch Peggy." I can imagine him trying to beat his. Well, anyway, I digress. I'm getting yeah. off into a whole other thing. Um, there are some so, rules around the Soul Stone that just happen to pop up here. Like, oh, this is this is an irreversible change. We didn't know that in the last movie. That this that's something he just sort of added on here. Plus, has anybody willingly given the Soul Stone back? to Vormir like we don't know anything about the history of it other than the one person who took it before this movie destroyed it so it's not like it, he ever willfully gave it back what would happen like if Thanos had died and had the soul stone would it have just gone back if you bring it back can't you reverse it at that point like wouldn't <laughs> hey, a soul for a soul right like so let's do yeah. it you know let's can I get a refund like the, the, <laughs> there should be some sort of exchange purposes so uh, you know that the the stone itself is kind of mystical and mysterious even within the rules confining it but this scene was was pretty devastating and it was cool watching them kind of fight it out to, to see who yeah. was gonna kill yeah. themselves at the end it was very akin to the Civil War scene where they're you know, they're trying to hurt one another, but they're not really trying to hurt one another. And it's all for the greater good of, of things. You had to know it was going to be that because there was no way that they were going to have Clint kill himself after 
us, you know, seeing him so devastated from his family at the beginning exactly, of the movie. Exactly. Plus her movie is going to, her solo movie is going to be in the nineties or the two, early two thousands and all likelihood. So she doesn't need to be alive. Meanwhile, he still needs to train a predecessor on, on his Marvel show. <laughs> so a lot of that stuff, yeah. it's sort of like wrestling where it's like the insider knowledge is sort of ruining the product for me now is that knowing contracts are up and knowing shows are going to be here. And, and it's, it's kind of taken me out of it. This would have been so much more devastating had I not seen it coming. Yeah, and and the whole thing when he when they're like talking, he's like, yeah, well, we you know what has to be done. Yeah, I know. He's like, I don't think we're talking about the same person here. Um, <laughs> it's like, well, duh, you really you really thought she she was gonna give you up, but uh, yeah, that whole fight and then finally like her dying, it's just okay. Here's my here's one of my issues with the movie. Ooh, all right, all right. So they are literally the only two in this movie that could have gotten the soul stone so it's a bit convenient nobody else like you have to give up what you love and even i guess it could have almost been anyone in that because she does look at them as their family and she loves them but at the same time it's like okay what if it would have been rocket and roadie who would have been went there yeah the, exactly like yeah you couldn't have you couldn't have done that right Ro- or roadie at nebula and all that sort of stuff i think so yeah. many of us on the build-up to this movie assumed it was going to be cap and tony and you gotta yeah. like now it's okay like one we we you gotta figure one of them is gonna go in this movie like at least you know just kind of looking at it even from a bird's eye view, and them having that exchange on the on Formier, mind you, right after Cap has had his exchange with Red Skull, like you were just saying, like the the fact that those yeah. two would be in the same place at the same time at this point in the MCU would be crazy enough. Then you got Tony, you know, maybe they were still sort of bumping heads up into this point. And then you have one of them sacrificing for the other. And the fact that the soul stone is there, you know, simplifies that they still love one another and that weird sort of man crush way that they have with one another. But, <laughs> uh, you know, so, so that was kind of surprising that it didn't end up being those two or Nat and Bruce could have just as easily. Been, oh yeah. You know, I didn't think about that. Yeah. That would have been a, an interesting pairing as well. And that could have been kind of akin to that scene from age of Ultron where, you know, she kisses him and pushes him off the cliff. It could have been the other way around maybe this time and you would have had the same end result. But it, it was it, it wasn't as nearly as heartbreaking as it was with Gamora last last year, I feel like. But it was still it was an interesting spin on it. And it, it, I think they they landed with the emotion there. Black Widow will be missed. She's been around for a long ass time. Iron Man, too. Yeah. She made her appearance. Yeah, and, and I think, too, is that um, she in that in unless it was going to be Tony or Cap. She's really the one that would have got the most reaction out of out of the viewers, people who actually watch um, all these movies, because she has she's she's shit. She's had to be in like the most movies outside of like a a Tony. Yeah, I'm trying to I think, think because so. she was in Iron Man two, she was in all the Avenger movies, she was in Civil War, Winter, Winter Soldier. Soldier. Yeah, yeah, seven at least seven plus. So. Yeah. That's yeah. She's she's just been and and her character development's been so cool. Like it's all been from, great. Yeah, it's been great. She's she's had some of the best character development from where you see her in Iron Man two when we meet her to where she's just this. She barely talks really in the movie at all until the end. And she starts kicking ass until now where this is her family. She she does look at them as the people that she cares about. She didn't give a damn about anyone before the Avengers, so it makes sense. Yeah, and she's probably going to be the only character in the history of the MCU, maybe outside of some somebody from the Deadpool universe, who is like, she's she's not only not only has sex appeal as many of these actors and actresses do because they're all obviously incredibly good looking people. It's how they get cast in these roles. But she, like part of her character was her sex appeal. Is that like the the spying aspect, the fact that she was able to use her feminine wiles to pretty much get whatever she wanted from whoever yeah. she wanted. We're never going to see that in the MCU moving forward. Not the not the direction that the MCU is going on a more social and political front. So in that way alone, it's like she'll she'll forever be unique. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Black Widow uh, gone. Any Anything left in the past scenes you want to talk about? Because there's a lot that we can get into from it. No, not so much in the past scenes. Yeah, there's there's definitely more stuff as we get into this fight scene that, that we're going to we're going to have to break down a little bit. <laughs> with the ending fight scene or no? well, oh actually the the passing the 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 scene with cap in the elevator that way we can't skip oh, past yes. that one that yes. one was okay fantastic so, go ahead the, the, it was a perfect thing to pick up on the beat because literally it's the same exact scene from winter soldier he walks in there he looks around 
And I don't know if he was like, you know what? I don't have time to fight these bastards. Because he could have just took them out in the elevator like he did before. The Hell Hydra moment, as a comic book... I, have you read that comic book? No, but I'm well aware of the controversy surrounding Cap as a Hydra agent. Yeah, yeah. so there, there was this this whole thing of Cap in the comic books where he's been an undercover Hydra agent this whole time. And so to just see him say, Hell Hydra, it was both funny and it was cool to see because we may never see Cap again. Yeah, I took it so much as in, and it carries over into the fight with between the two caps is that like yeah. this Captain America is a, a lot less brash and a lot more, you know, wily, I guess, you know, he's got he's doing more of the fighting between his ears. He's more of a strategist. He he talks his way out of that elevator as opposed to fighting his way out of it like he, he easily could have, like you said. And then even when he's fighting himself. It, the younger version of him has him in a chokehold and he starts talking about Bucky and all of a sudden he lets yeah. go, you know, so he he was able to kind of outsmart and outmaneuver everybody mentally. And that's sort of the direction of Cap from the first movie where he was more of a soldier to the second movie where he was more of a spy to now he's more of just kind of a, a little bit of both and so much more. So yeah. and, that, and that was kind of a cool, you know, add addition to his arc. Yeah, yeah, it's, that, that was a great scene. And then also we get Loki taking the tesseract and getting the fuck up out of dodge i love how that scene plays off plays out because that's very much low-key as they they've set him up like he takes it he's gone no grandiose thing nothing i'm out of here peace yep oh yeah i i I was i was cracking up when that happened because it's just like uh, you know obviously this this puts a a little bit of a monkey wrench in the whole situation that they're trying to do here but it's so low-key and it's so like mcu and you know you know so many people have made the joke it's like oh he you know he he transferred himself over to the the disney streaming service like that was it he just went <laughs> into that wormhole and now he's gone forever we won't see him in the movies ever again and i, I like that he you know at least survives somewhere it's not in this yeah. timeline necessarily but he he's out there doing his thing and i'm really looking forward to that show loki's you know one of those awesome really funny well-rounded characters and yeah i think i think that show is gonna literally be him time hopping all over yeah. well not time hopping but yeah, dimension hopping whatever you want to call it like now that he has the space zone we could just be on the wacky adventures of loki yeah it's just gonna well supposedly it is gonna be a time travel show i don't know how that factors in with the space stone at all but supposedly he's gonna be going through history and popping up in different points in time so we'll see like loki in the first world war we'll see loki you know <laughs> like in, in vietnam we'll see loki like when the when the dinosaurs got hit by a comet who knows it'll be maybe he was the one who threw it maybe that comet was the was is now called wakanda who knows <laughs> <laughs> that's funny all right, man, let's move on. So once they get all these stones back, Hulk doing the snap. Yeah. And, uh, okay, again, this goes back to my hate on Thor. So they just turned Thor into the fucking Big Lebowski, and they made several jokes. Like, the, uh, Eat I'm a so salad, cheese it. whiz in his veins. Like, yeah, um. I, I was not happy with this, and I did. I did. Lo- I, I laughed so hard when he's like, "But I'm the strongest Avenger, so this falls on me." You know, <laughs> it's like he still thinks he's the strongest Avenger, even though he is. You know, with the with the exception of uh, Captain What's Her Face, but uh, you know, she, this whole thing with the the big Lebowski, or I, I like to call him late day Jim Morrison Thor, where he's just like. <laughs> He's just out of it. He's he's falling asleep in the chair. He's got his Al Bundy thing going on. He's got his hand tucked in his pants. It was just this is this is not the God of Thunder I know and love. Not by the closest bit. And we got we got so much of him in that first three minutes though. Like the yeah. chop Thanos' head off Thor. That's that's my Thor. And I and I could see him being depressed, but handling it this way, no. Like the the way that I would envision Thor before this movie is that yeah he would have got sad he would have been down on himself but I would have seen him as handling that by wanting to fight any like almost what they did with Ronan almost that being Thor but going through the galaxies just kicking everybody's ass yeah that's exactly how I would have pictured him is it's like okay I couldn't beat Thanos when it mattered let's make sure that no one else who's even close to that level ever gets to that level again I'm just gonna go around and minority report like just destroy anybody in every you know possible threat to the galaxy like I, that's exactly what I would have thought he would have been doing too. Instead of playing Fortnite with Meek and Cork, it's like they yeah. they they not only reduced him to like you know a big fat slob, but he's also he's like sitting around, he's gaming, he's like yelling at guys on his you know headset, and like ah, oh, like this is the worst kind of Thor. This is mother's basement Thor. This is terrible. <laughs> yes, yeah, that was terrible. Um, and like I said, he became one of my favorites after Ragnarok. I've always enjoyed yeah. Thor, but Ragnarok was the perfect. 
anyway, uh, enough. I digress because I could stay on that for another hour. But um, Hawk do, being the one to do the snap, did you think that he was going to be the one to do it to bring everyone back? I, I kind of figured it, it. Well, when I first saw the glove, I was like, well, no way. You know, like even though yeah. there was people in my theater, they were like, oh, isn't the glove too small? Like, how's he going to get it on? Like, you can do you can hear people kind of whisper in that. But uh, it made the most sense, like as far as beings that were able to withstand it. Now, this would have been a nice, you know, not that I would have been a huge fan, but considering the way that the movie broke out with having three snaps, essentially the one dud snap from Thanos and then Tony and, and Hulk, this would have been a good time for Carol to show up and, and use all that power that she's got. Right. Like, I mean, she 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 shows up conveniently at the beginning to to get all the glory with the head chopping off and shows up conveniently at the end to get all the glory. But here in the middle when we could have used this incredibly powerful being that apparently can get a headbutt from a mad Titan without doing anything about it. She's just nowhere to be found. No one thinks to communicate with her. Like where, where was That's she? what I'm saying? Too. Like she's basically an infinity stone. Right. That was another uh, thing that pissed me off too. Is she's talking about like, Oh, you might not hear from me for a while because I might not make the monthly meeting. It's like you had a beeper with, with, with fury that could span galaxies you're talking to okoye who's from wakanda who have technology that literally has limitless communications they they say the word limitless in black panther so there's no way that she couldn't have just had an earbud that they could have communicated with her at any time yeah um <laughs> i agree with you this, no, is, this, fine, this, is, the, this is the flaw of, of putting a, so much on a character and it's not it's not explicitly because she's a woman it's more because that she's getting all this because she's a woman that kind of irritates me but the fact that they have all this power and then she's nowhere to be found when we need somebody who has all this power conveniently eh, eh, that's all i'm saying come on russo's do better it, yeah, it, <laughs> I, you know what? I, I, and it might yeah. not even be the Russos. This it's is, not. I don't think it's their fault. No. And she doesn't even interact with like even at the end, at the very end of the movie. I know we're kind of jumping all around, but we gave you guys a spoiler warning. We're just having a conversation. Matter of fact, we've probably tried to make this a little too neat of a conversation anyway. Mm -hmm. But um, at the end with her, when she's the only Avenger standing, like they they go to her last, right? Like at Tony's funeral, and she's just standing in the yeah. middle. After what they said, and this and this is what shows that they they did film this before Captain Marvel, because I don't know if they realized how great that relationship between her and Nick Fury was going to play out in that movie. Because in my mind, you haven't seen Nick Fury in God what twenty thirty years, yeah, yeah. Plus, like, and so you see him. I would just expect those two to be standing arm in arm. But you have Captain Marvel just standing in the middle by herself. I get it; she's the badass. I get maybe that they're going to make her the focal point going forward but at the same time like pay respect to the story that you gave us before they they did with her like she really kind of stand this is she stands out in this as one of the only ones who didn't keep the same character that they had in their own solo movie yeah she was she was very different than than from that different movie and that's that's the different directors right you got like the captain yeah. marvel crew it was all about making you know the strong powerful woman character and then with the russos it's about like just trying to fit this overpowered character into this mix of already long established characters uh with her standing there at the end i mean yeah it's very it's very obvious that she's going going to be the leader now of all of this stuff you know with not only her standing on the stairs and having that prominent last spot at tony's funeral but also uh, the, you know, the, the headbutt scene basically with Thanos, um, you know, she's bending his hand back in the same way that, that cap was and Wakanda basically the first time around, except mm -hmm. for she's so much stronger. She's actually overpowering him. Those two scenes are perfect parallels. Your old cap, here's your new cap. You know, these are now going to be your centerpiece moral compasses for the MCU of, of past and now present. So it, it's, I mean, it's funny cause there, there was a lot of rumors going around that there was sort of like a a fight within oh, have Marvel. you seen the interviews have you I've, seen the interviews well, i've seen the stuff with like with Cheadle and hemsworth and all that kind of stuff that it's shit is hilarious so funny even when they're doing the, the lines like even rocket's line where he's like yeah at the end like even that yeah. i'm sure bradley cooper it took him several passes to make it sound convincing because you can tell even that he's kind of half-assing it like oh yay here she comes to save the day <laughs> Yeah, but, man. I, and I don't know if it's like some resentment because like everyone else has been around for so long and now she's just coming in and just 
she's just basically getting handed something that all these other characters built up in the MCU. They're just serving it up to her on a silver platter. Yeah, it's she's the yeah. Roman Reigns of the MCU. She is. They're pushing her down our throats, and some of us are going <laughs> to push back negatively against the whole thing. But even yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely the stuff within the actors that the interview with her and Jeremy Renner is particularly hilarious, where they're asking her about all of her activism, and he's just like, "Yeah, I don't think that's my job." <laughs> like, it was the best part. Um, but even within the writers' room, there supposedly was a lot of controversy as to how much she should be involved here. Um, some people wanted her in Infinity War. Some people didn't want her in either of these movies. And then, then that's where we kind of came on this compromise where she would show up in the second of the two movies. And then I guess even within that, there was a there was an argument as to how much of a role she should play because this is so much a culmination of of you know multiple phases of the universe that she was barely a part of. So for her to play as big of a role, like I get you got to pass the torch. But at the same time, it, you know, it, I thought they handled it decently well overall, knowing that I was going to be biased one way or, you know, a certain <laughs> way regardless. But there, yeah. were, there were definitely some things about her character that kind of irritated me. But that, like I said, they kind of played on it where you got Rocket making fun of her and you got, you know, that that first scene like I talked about before where she comes in all strong and then we find out it's not necessarily that she's that strong. It's that Thanos is in a weakened state. But then you got that end scene where she's invincible. And the the all women section, that little A4 scene that they did there, could it have been more forced? Why can you come up with a possible reason as to why all of the women would have conveniently been in that same place at that same time and only the women? And then they got Mantis showing up like she's a threat to do anything. Like even she's kind of tiptoeing yeah. into the scene like, what am I going to do? And then, oh, by the way, Captain Marvel doesn't need anybody's help because she's the most powerful being in all of existence ever. It's just it was so. It, it, uh. it, it's I, I, it's it's going to be so interesting to see what they do with her in her own solo films going forward. Because like, who is going to? I, even me, I'm a huge comic fan. I'm struggling outside of like Galactus or the Silver Surfer. Who are you going to get who can really go toe to toe with Captain Marvel? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's going it to. I'm Go sorry, I was going to say, we're going to have to wait until the X-Men get into like what, you know, whatever Kevin Feige's version of Jean Grey potentially could have, you know, some sort of chance against this version of Captain Marvel. But even then, I don't even know, considering how much how durable she is. That's what's really crazy about her. Yeah. And while I like um, Thor ending up with the Guardians, I would have almost preferred Captain Marvel to end up with the Guardians and her fight Ida Warlock. Yeah, that would have been interesting. And then you could, I mean, there there could have been a lot of also kind of just funny little interactions with her and the whole team, yeah. her and Rocket going back and forth. Maybe a scenario where Gamora is a little jealous of having another woman around, you know, some sort of, some sort of storyline along those lines. But yeah, I, I, I think Thor is, when they're not making him a punchline, can stand on his own so much. I'm not really yeah. looking forward to Captain Marvel's next movie, although... Uh, you know, rumor is is that it's probably going to feature the birth of Miss Marvel, who I have a lot of interest in seeing how they portray. That is a great, a great character, Kamala Khan. Mm -hmm. You're gonna look. I think most people would love that character. And that she's an Inhuman though, which we know how right. the Inhumans went. So that's going to be interesting. I think they they're going with the Eternals versus instead of the Inhumans, which maybe they can make her Eternal. They, they have they have yeah they have routes to go that way. One thing you just mentioned, Gamora. So that's one thing we didn't talk about the past. The past versions of Nebula. Angamore oh, and just yeah. the whole the whole way that the intertangled Wi-Fi. So basically, Nebula from yeah. past and future they share they share a Bluetooth <laughs> connection. Yeah, it was like when you put an Alexa next to a Google Play, they they like talk to one another. Sometimes that's yeah. that's what happened. <laughs> I, know. I just shook my head like that was one of the most. And again, I, one thing I never want to do is get on here and just act like it's the perfect movie. I I enjoyed it for the most part, but it had some very bad problems. Like that's the best way you can come up with getting past Thanos involved in this was intergalactic Bluetooth. Right. And when when Nebula left Thanos and went off on her own, she didn't think to like deconnect herself from that network. She definitely wasn't on that network when she was on Earth at any point in time. So like, well, what exactly? is the range on this thing, I guess, uh, you know, it, it just, yeah, that was, that was sort of awkward. And then just the, the idea of Nebula killing her past self, you know, that creates another timeline now where there's a 2014 that Thanos and Nebula are both dead and Gamora's gone because she jumped to 2019. So what does that mean for the future of the guardians in that particular universe? I guess they never form. <laughs> 
Well, and that that's that. Well, no, because they go back and take the stones to right before they took it. So that maybe means that no, but it will still play out differently. You're right because Nebula and Gamora are gone. Right. But Ronan um, wouldn't have been going after the stone because Thanos wouldn't have told him to. And you know that. Well, he was he had already sent Ronan on the stone. So when they pick up in the movie, that very first scene, Thanos mentions he had just came back from talking. He was oh, talking about Ronan okay. in that first movie. But that opens up another interesting thing is that maybe Ronan is now the most powerful being in that in that timeline. That would be interesting. Yeah. Well, at least in, until other beings show up that might not be exactly. there. But, yeah, absolutely. That, that would be very interesting to see if Ronan, considering how little of a part he played in in Captain Marvel, I think a lot of us were expecting him to play a slightly larger role just by the fact that he was a yeah. reoccurring character that we weren't quite expecting. And then he really didn't do much at all like, other than drop the big feminism line. Um, <laughs> you know, so now you've got maybe a universe where he is every bit as powerful as he was at the end of uh, at the end of Guardians 1 before he lost the stone, basically. That'd be pretty crazy. Yeah. No Xandarians in that timeline. That, and then also in that timeline, there's... Uh... Now, if um, Ego finds Peter Quill, the only reason Peter Quill snapped out of it was because of Gamora. So right. now maybe <laughs> I'm, I could go down yeah, a rabbit hole. A human battery and Ego is taking yeah. over that entire. There you go. Ego is the most powerful person uh, in that timeline. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, <laughs> there's too much. There's the too rabbit, much Marvel universe. Too much. <laughs> yeah, there's way too much. Um, I don't even know where we were in the original timeline at this point. Let's just talk, man. What what else is on your mind about this? We were, um, well, since we're just talking about it, the the scene with with Quill uh, doing the "Come and Get Your Love" bit, except for. And that concludes part one of the Avengers in-game review with my good friend Andrew Bello. You guys can catch part two of this review dropping tomorrow. I look forward to seeing you guys there. Uh, go ahead and follow the Awaken Soul podcast at Awaken Soul Pod. We will see you lovely and beautiful people tomorrow to finish the review. Peace.